Well, hello to everybody on Facebook. Um, it's good to be with you this morning, and I would like to say Happy Mother's Day. Uh, I'm not going to preach a message about mothers this morning. <clears throat> In fact, I kind of feel like Katie did when she got up here and said that she had to give a, a word of uh, correction. And uh, you know what she said? Uh, I almost jumped out of my seat over there because it's lining right up with what God is, is speaking to me to speak to you today. And uh, we're going to go over to 1 Chronicles 15, and we're going to talk about another king, King David. And I'm going to lay a, bit of, a little bit of groundwork for you. Uh, I've been preaching out of, out of this passage of Scripture uh, for the past couple weeks. And I just believe that God is speaking to his people in this day and in this hour. And the title of this message is Do Order. And uh, to be honest with you, I struggled with this message because I wasn't sure what God was um, wanting to get across. And so as I was praying ever since Pastor Mark had asked me to come, and by the way, thank you, Pastor Mark and Angel, for asking me to be here. It is a privilege to come and minister uh, from this pulpit. Um, you know, I love Pastor Mark and Angel. We love their hearts. Um, they're just good, good, godly people, and they follow the Holy Ghost. And it's wonderful to be in relationship with them. So let's go over here to 1 Chronicles 15, and we're going to read 12 to 14. It says this, and then I'm going to lay some groundwork for this. And said unto them, you are the chief of the father of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, both you and your brethren, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel unto the place that I've prepared for it. And this was David speaking to them. He said in verse 13, for because you did it not at the first, the Lord our God made a breach upon us. For that we sought him, not after the due order. Verse 14, so the priests and the Levites sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel. Now, I'm going to lay a little bit of groundwork here. You know, we don't have time to go back and look at it all. But David had decided, he had made the decision, and he had gotten people's opinions. He didn't go to God. He didn't seek God about how to bring the ark back to Jerusalem. And so they decided to put it on a new cart. They said, that'll do, that'll work. And uh, God said, oh, no, that won't work because that's not what I've instructed you to do. And so as they're bringing the cart back, if you remember the story, the oxen stumbled and Uzzah put his hand out to steady the ark because he thought the ark of the covenant was going to fall and he was struck dead. So because of David's lack of seeking the Lord, and doing it after the due order that God had ordained back in the book of Exodus about 500 years prior. See, that's the thing about God. He doesn't change his mind. And, and, and we can say, well, you know, that's the Old Testament. We're under the new covenant. Yes, we are under the new covenant and we're under grace, but grace is not a license to sin and do it any old way we want to. And I believe in this day and this age, God is calling out his people. He's shaking things. And we're going to read a scripture at the, at the end of this message um, in Hebrews that talks about that. But God is shaking things, and he's shaking things to get our attention, okay? Now, we don't necessarily want to hear that word. We don't want to hear that he's shaking us. Um, we know he didn't cause what's going on, but we realize that he's using it, and I believe, number one, to get the church's attention, he wants our attention. And see, he wanted David's attention, and he wanted David to do what was right in the sight of the Lord. And so um, here they are. They're, they're trying to bring the ark back. And then finally, David decides, he parked the ark, and he decides that he better get God's mind on how to move it. And so he says, this is what we're going to do. Because we didn't do it right, there was a breach. See, they put themselves out from under the protection of God. And we can do that. See, a lot of times we bring, blame the enemy, but we can put ourselves out from under the protection of Almighty God when we're going about our business the way that we think we should be doing it, and we're not consulting God. We are his children, called by his name. And so we need to get his, um, what his plan is. It's not about my plan. It's not about your plan. It's about, God, what is your plan? 
And so they're bringing back the ark now, and they're going to do it right. They're going to put it on poles, and the Levitical tribe of Israel, the priests of Almighty God, who God assigned to bring back the ark and to touch the ark, to have anything to do with the ark, because they were anointed and appointed by God to do it, they've decided to put it on staves and bring it back the right way. And when they did that, guess what? They brought back the presence of God to Jerusalem. And I believe with all of my heart that God is trying to get us into due order. And, and I want to break down these words. Do means rightful, proper, or fitting. Let me say that again. Rightful, proper, or fitting. And of course, order means the proper arrangement of things. See, God has a, a due order. He has a rightful, proper, fitting, and, and a way to do it in my life and in your life and in the life of the church in the big picture. And so he's, he's properly arranging things. That's why the shaking is taking place. You know what? He's shaking out all the stuff that shouldn't be and saying, now listen, I want you to do it in proper due order. Due also means to owe. See, we owe it to the Lord to do it the way he's telling us to do. I work for him. He doesn't work for me. And so many Christians have it backwards. We think he's like Santa Claus. We just pull out our list and say, well, this is what I want. Check, check, check. And if it doesn't go my way, I'm out of here. And God is saying, guess what? You will be out of here if you don't start doing it my way. Oh, we're preaching good this morning, aren't we? See, God is a God of order and boundaries. He is. You look at creation. God is a God of order and boundaries, and he wants us as Christians to have order in our life, not to the point where it's about rules and regulations. That's not what I'm talking about, because we've seen that extreme, and all it does is chase people away because nobody can live up to it. That's why Jesus Christ came. Like Keely said, the veil was torn. Why was the veil torn? So that we could get to God and he could get to us. He's no longer in the Ark of the Covenant. I don't know about you, but I'm glad about that, because it was only the high priest did a that could approach the very throne of God once a year on behalf of everybody else. I'm glad that I can approach the throne of God for me. But see, there's even a due order to do that. And I believe that God is saying, listen, it's time to get the respect of me back in the house of God. And so God didn't seek the Lord for his established order. The order had already been established when he, when he gave the law to Moses. This is how you will move the ark of my presence. Listen, we can't just come into the church and live any old way we want and expect the presence of the Lord to be in our midst. And I believe that God is saying, I want to pour out my power. I want to pour out my glory. I want to deliver the drug addict. I want to deliver the prostitute. I want to deliver the homosexual. I want to deliver the person that's living a double life and, and living in adultery and has got two separate families. I want to deliver those people out of sin. He wants to deliver the liar. He wants to deliver the cheater, the thief. He wants to deliver, how about this? He wants to deliver the religious person who thinks they've got it all together and everything is just fine in their life. It ain't fine. We've got to come to a holy God and we've got to reestablish that he is a holy God. Come on, I'm, I'm going to go some places today, all right? And some people might uh, say, well, I don't, I don't care for that. Well, you can just turn me off. You don't have to listen if you don't want to. But I got a word for you. I'm, I don't encourage you to turn me off. Because see, this is what we've turned it into. We've turned it in. We just come in all casual. We just come in drinking our coffee. We just come in doing our thing, eating our donuts. Listen, this is the house of God, of Almighty God. And, and I'm not preaching this because I'm trying to be mean or ugly. Listen, I've struggled with this message. He didn't even give me this message to start to give it to me until Thursday. And then yesterday is when it was finally, I said, Lord, I got to be in the pulpit tomorrow. What are we doing? What are you saying? What are you trying to say? And I understand this is a strong word, but you know what? We're ready for it. Come on. The people that are hungry and seeking God, they're ready for it. And maybe if you're not ready for it this morning, you'll get ready. Here's the thing. You cannot get around this. We can't get around it. God has a due order. He has a due order for your life, and he has a due order for my life. You can't get around it. He's going to keep bringing you back to the place where you missed it. 
my husband and I, we went to a uh, conference out in Ohio back in February, and we knew we were supposed to be there. And of course, the weather's always sketchy and iffy in February, but we knew we were to be there. And I said, Lord, if it, you want us there, so you make the way. And so we got there okay with no problems. And I knew God, I knew in my spirit that God had a word for me. And this is what was spoken to me. A lady that I've, I've known just a short amount of time, um, she said, Brenda, the Lord is saying to you that he's going to take you back and he's going to show you where you stopped. I said, I stopped? I didn't know I stopped. I didn't know I stopped. I didn't think I stopped. So what do you mean I stopped? I didn't say that to her, but in my head I'm thinking, what do you mean I stopped? Oh, come on, did you ever get a word like that? You're like, what the world does that mean? What are you trying to say? So I, I knew. I, I went home, and I got before the Lord, and I got quiet, and I said, okay, Lord. That was the word she spoke to me. And, and it, see, it checked me. It arrested me. I knew it was a word from the Lord. I just didn't understand it. And so I put my hand on my heart, and I said, God, show me where I stopped. He took me back to where I stopped. And he showed me the exact day where I was standing, where I said in my heart, you know, it doesn't really matter, Lord, because I'm really not doing anything for you anyway right now. Four years ago. See, he wants to bring correction to us. He wants us to know. And so you know what I had to do? I had to repent. Well, that's a word, isn't it? We don't hear much about repent. We don't repent. We're under grace. We can do whatever we want. Grace is not a license to sin, and it's not a license to live any old way I want. It's the grace that keeps me from sinning. It's the grace that keeps me on my toes and in the face of the Father and him in my face to be able to say, honey, you're missing it. I got so much more for you. And so this is what I thought to myself. Okay, listen, I'm just being honest with you this morning. And so I thought to myself, I thought, okay, because I, I stopped four years ago, what have I missed in the last four years that he had for me? And I missed it because I stopped. And see, he knows our hearts, doesn't he? He sees everything about us. Thank God. Thank God. See, why does he keep taking us back to that place? Why did he want me to recognize that? Why did he want me to be corrected for it? Because he has a plan for my life. He has a plan for your life. And there's a due order to that plan. And it's entirely up to you and I. I want to go back to Jeremiah 20, 29, 11. This is my, one of my favorite scripture verses, and it's a powerful verse. And I know we've read it and, and said it, and we've got it. I've got it on a plaque in, my, in our bedroom. Um, 29, I want to read 11 to 13. It says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. He says, then you shall call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. Now watch this. And you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. So that's what Katie said this morning when she opened it with that, with that word from the Lord. He wants all of our attention. No more of this half-stepping. No more of this, I'm halfway in. If I feel like going to church, I do. If I don't, I can't. I, you know, I'm doing something else. Uh, uh, everything else is more important. See, that's why everything has been shaken out and taken away from us. Because God is saying, get your priorities straight, sweetie. Even the church has been taken. Because we can come into the church and be so busy in the church that we miss God. I'm busy working for you, Lord. But I don't really know you. Come on, we can, get, we can be like that. I remember a time in my Christian walk where uh, it, that's all I was doing was working for him. He doesn't want me just working for him. He wants me to know him. And I can't know him if I don't take time with him. And you can't either. We say, oh, I don't have time to spend with the Lord. How much time you got to be on Facebook? Oh, come on. How about those phones we carry around? Always looking, checking to see who's, who's, who likes me, who doesn't like. What is this, 10th grade again? I thought about that the other day. I thought, good gravy. Everybody's worried about who likes, dislikes, not likes. And then people were depressed and sad. No wonder. Turn off that stuff. Now, listen, I realize I'm on live Facebook today, so I have to be careful because the, wor the world's hearing me now. But I'm just saying, come on. Are we in 10th grade? But how many people get hooked into that and sucked into that? And your life can be anything on Facebook, right? You can portray it any old way you want. Can I say something else? I'm going to say it anyway. You see pictures on Facebook, and I've seen a few, and I think, is that them? We don't even look like we look. Because, again, you can filter, do this. I don't even know anything about all that. I'm thinking, that might be a good idea. 
Yeah, I know. That's hypocritical, isn't it? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I'm just saying, listen, God wants our real. And we've got to get real with him, and he's got to get real with us. And the only way he can get real with me is if I get real with him. Right? Come on. And, and, and it works the same way with you. I'm no different than anybody else. And, and you aren't either. We've all got to come to God the same way. We've got to lay down everything else that we think matters. And, and we've got to get our life in due order. See, I believe he's given us this time to get it in due order. His order. Not my order. His order. And I want to say this to you. What we don't have individually, we will never have corporately. I heard T.D. Jakes say that years ago, preaching a message, and that has always stuck with me because it's truth. It's not a fact, it's truth. What you and I don't have individually, we will never have corporately when we come together. And see, God is trying to move in our midst when we come together corporately. But if, you've, if you and I have not been spending any time with him in private, because it doesn't, see, it doesn't matter what I look like in the pulpit. It doesn't matter how good a, a message I can preach, because I've been preaching for 30 some years and, and I can preach a message. But it's about my relationship with Almighty God. And the anointing on my life. This isn't just a job. Come on. And, and I believe this. I, I'm just going to say this. And this is a strong word this morning. I've gone back and forth. Lord, do I say that? Do I not say it? But I'm going to say it. Because I believe he's saying, say it. So let's go. I believe he's saying this. If my church people don't get this right, you're going to go back around through it again. Let me say that again. I believe God is saying, if my church doesn't get it right, you will go back through this again. Because see, remember the Israelites. 40 years, they blundered and wandered in the wilderness. There were two, Joshua and Caleb, that had a heart to go into the land. God is trying to take us into a land where we've never been before. And I'll tell you the truth. I've been, I, my husband and I were talking about it last night. I've been struggling with God. When we go back to church, what do you want it to look like? What do you want it to look like? Because I don't want to just go back to church and do church. I want to do what you want done so that people can be. How, why is it okay for drug addicts to be dying and, 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 and leaving, leaving life at an early age, 19, 20, 25, 30? Why is that okay with the church? It shouldn't be. That ought to grieve our hearts. And that's just one, one thing that we're dealing with. But see, because there's no power in the church, they have nowhere to go to get prayer to be delivered. And it, it hinges on us. And you say, well, that's a lot of responsibility. But you know what? God knows we're up for it. We're up for it. You're up for it. I'm up for it. God, what do you want me to do? What piece of the puzzle do I fit in in this day in this time? We were not born at this time by any accident. And you can wish that you weren't. You could wish that we're not going through this COVID-19. And we're all saying the same thing. I just want it to be over. But it's not going to be over till God is done shaking us. And we're getting what he's saying to me. And to you. And he's saying, get your life in due order. Get your kids in due order. What good is it if you come to church and your whole house is going to hell in a handbasket? If you're lifting your hands in the middle of, of church and worshiping God, and, and yeah, you're talking all this God talk, and you go home and you're living like the devil, and the kids are saying, where's that person from church? There's a problem. We've got to get it in due order. That's why I believe that God is, is you know what? Here we are. We're, we're together, huh? See, see, up until this point, you could just escape and go. He takes the kids and goes to ball. You take this and go to ballet, and we all do this. And if we just see each other in passing, well, that's okay. And God's saying, nope, I'm putting you together because I'm going to rub the rough edges off of you. And you're going to find out how you're not really the wife you thought you were, and you're not really the husband you thought you were. And those kids, they need Jesus. Mm-hmm. What are you doing with this time that he's given you in this hour? Are you wasting it? And listen, you can find, you can stay busy even in the midst of COVID-19, even though you can't go all out and about like we always used to. You can still stay busy. There's lots of things that can be done if you want to just stay busy. So that, so that listen, because we're running from us. And see, God is trying to set us down and say, no, I don't want you to run from me. I want you to run to me. I want you to run to me. I want you to come to me. 
because I've got the plan for your life and it's a good plan and it's a plan of blessings, but I can't give it to you until you sit down and listen. Hear what I'm saying to you, kids. That's what he's saying to us. Are you whining about, I want to be in church? I want to be in church. I want to be in church. I preached this last week to our people on video that isn't it ironic, Jesus in Revelations, he stands at the door and he knocks. We're the ones now knocking at the door to get back in. But see, I don't think he's going to allow church again until I get it the way he wants church. Is it still all about you? Is it still all about us or is it all about him? Lord, what do you want? How do you want it done? Not just what, but there's a how to it. And I believe he has specific. And see, here's the thing. If we will listen, he will tell us. He will give us directions. You say, well, I'm really trying to hear from him, but I just can't seem to hear from him. You got to cut out all the distractions and it takes some practice. So don't give up and don't get discouraged. There's days he talks a mile a minute to me, and then there's other days I'm not hearing nothing. So I think, well, I just do what I need, know to do for, for now. Don't get in a hurry. Don't get excited. Because sometimes we can, we can spend so much time, time trying to hear from him and trying to make him do something for us or talk to us that we're missing the whole picture. We're not at peace. It's amazing, isn't it? See, there was a due order to bring the presence of the Lord back to Jerusalem. And there's a due order to bring the presence of the Lord back to his house. Even though that was Old Testament and we're under New Testament, if you go to the book of Acts and you read, the very shadow of Peter healed people. Think about that for a minute. That says to me he wasn't caught up in everything in the world going on around him. He was caught up in Jesus. And you say, well, I have to work. I have to raise my kids. Yes, I understand that. And the Lord knows that too. It's not like you can just say, well, hey, I'll be back. I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. I, I got you know, to do what God's telling me to do. Sorry about you. I'm, I'm out of here. I'm not talking about that. But I am saying even in the midst of all that, if we, we've got to put him first. I mean, he's given us our families. But again, if your family is lost, what good is it? See, we're the carriers of his presence. He's not in a box. He's on the inside of us. Think about that for just a minute. That just should blow us away. God, you're on the inside of us. And you want to do great and mighty things for us. I'm going to tell you a story. Uh, I, you know, time goes by, and this has been a long time ago, uh, back in the late 80s, and there's some... Some of the details are a little sketchy, and I'm, I'm going to share the story with you because this is how intimate and personal, and I know many of you know how intimate and personal God is, but the fact of the plan, when you look at the plan that only he could do, nobody could ever work it out. That's what always, like, you couldn't work this out if you wanted to. And back, uh, back in the late 80s, we were in a little tiny church down in a little tiny town called Egypt. And uh, it's not the Egypt. I guess there's one over this way somewhere. Um, I didn't know about that until just recently. But this little tiny Egypt is down near uh, Woodland. And so we're in this tiny church, about 40 people, didn't have two dimes to rub together. I think the pastor at the time made $40 a week, if I remember that correctly. Nothing. <laughs> you know, really nothing. And so um, somehow he found out from another pastor this other pastor was having a guy come in and speak at his church. And this guy was from Minnesota. And um, he called our pastor and said, you know, you need to have this guy since he's coming to the area, have him come to your church. And so our pastor called this fella and said, hey, you know, I hear you're going to be in the area. Would you like to come to our church? Well, the guy agreed to it. And his name was Dave Vesela. And he was a kind of a short, stocky guy. And we knew nothing about this man. And when our pastor hung up the phone that day from the conversation, the Lord dropped in his heart and said, I want you to give him $1,200 when he comes to preach at your church. Now, okay, he's making 40 a week. Just regular, everyday working people. This is the late 80s. I don't even know what the hourly wage was back then. I should have looked it up, but cheap. <laughs> $1,200 was like a million bucks. 
But our pastor knew what God had spoken to him, and he said, I want you to, he spoke it very strongly, I want you to give that man $1,200 when he comes to your church. So he, he brings it to the church, and he challenges us that we're going to give this man $1,200 because God said so. So, of course, you know, we're kind of all thinking, okay, well, where are we getting this money? But we're going to trust God. This is where faith comes in, right? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so one Sunday night, I'll never forget it, uh, the pastor said that morning, we had church Sunday night and we had Wednesday night. Yeah, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And so we were in church Sunday morning and he said, tonight we're going we're gonna to take up the special offering for our guest preacher that's coming. So guess what? People, it was amazing. God laid it on people's hearts. Some people sold, uh, if I remember it right, they sold like bonds, stocks, something. Um, people, and they just brought it forward. And we ended up with about, I don't know, $1,300, $1,400, over $1,200. And we were so excited. I mean, we were just so excited. We didn't know this guy from Adam. We had never seen him, never met him, didn't know him, just knew his name and he was coming. So we could not wait for him to get there to give him this money. We were just so excited. So he comes, and we gave it to him before he ever even preached. He said, nobody's ever paid me for preaching before I preached. Now, we didn't know this. We found this out later, okay? He is, God has laid it on his heart that he's to go to Russia. Now, the wall hadn't, I don't think the wall had fallen. No, the wall had not fallen yet. And so he's going to go to Russia. And see, when he prayed in tongues, he sounded Russian. I'm con that's what his prayer language was. And God said he was to go to Russia. And he but he needed, guess how much he needed for his plane ticket? $1,200. So the whole time he's coming down to this little church in Podunk Junction, PA, never heard of Egypt in his life except Egypt across the water. He's coming down to preach to 40 people and he's arguing with the Lord. And he's saying, but I got to raise, I got to get back home and I got to raise $1,200 for my plane ticket because I'm, he was supposed to go like, within a couple weeks. And he's like, I don't have time to be down here in Egypt talking to these people. I got to go raise money. The Lord said, go to Egypt. Sometimes he'll take you to Egypt. Yeah, we think we're always getting out of Egypt. Sometimes he's taking you to Egypt. We're in Egypt right now. Not physically, but we are. And so, so anyway, he comes down. We give him this envelope. He doesn't know how much is in it. He has no idea that God is going to use this little church of 40 people to bless him with 1200, over $1,200 for his plane ticket. So that's just the beginning of the story. He goes to Russia. He knows nobody. He's going totally by faith. He gets his money from us. He's got his plane ticket. And so off he goes. He gets to St. Petersburg, Russia. We knew nothing about St. Petersburg. We knew nothing about Russia. All we knew was that, you know, we had to get in the fallout shelter if they ever hit the button at school. That's all we knew about Russia. We thought they were not very friendly people, and we probably would never want to go there. And so he went, and, and, and he gets off a bus, and he knows it was an angel. It was a, an older man said, come here, I will show you where to go. He takes him, and, and then he just he was gone. But three times in the city that day, now that city's a huge city. It's like being in New York City. It's big. For those of you that have been there, you know. We've been there. He ran into the same two guys three times in a row. The third time, he talked to them about the Lord. It wasn't legal to do. Talked to them about the Lord. Um, I'm trying to remember if they got saved right then. I don't remember if they got saved right then. But anyway, long story short, he... They, God, a divine connection happens, okay? That young man that he led to the Lord came to the States a few years later, went to Bible school, went back, and God raised him up, and he was um, the head of TBN broadcasting in St. Petersburg, Russia. Years later in 02, Donnie and I got the privilege to go to Russia and through a different, because I think Dave was already gone home to be with the Lord by that time, he had passed away. But we went to Russia and with another um, ministry, and we got to go to the TBN station, and we got to see Nikki, who we hadn't seen, because he actually came to our church. We got to see him. He came, and we were just so excited because <laughs> that $1,200 that we didn't know where it was coming from, and I, so, I, I can't apologize for getting choked up because that's our God. 
That's the plans that he has for us. And people say, well, I can't sell out to God because it's boring. It's dull. I'm telling you what. No, it's not. It's an adventure. And you never know where he's going to send you or what he's going to have you to do. And see, we, we need to get back to the due order of God in our individual lives so that he can use us in a mighty way. And some of this stuff, like we just, we just saw the, the highlights of that stuff. But I know there's people that been, have been won to Jesus because of that $1,200. And I know that, and we had a small part to play in that. We, we, we had the privilege to play a part in that. But see, what do sometimes people say? And I'm talking Christians. I'm not talking to the world. Christians will say, oh, that's the other side of the world. Who cares? There's people that are hungry here. It isn't an either or. It's all of it. And whatever is God speaking to you to do, whether it's here, a ministry here, or a ministry over there, it's all important to God. Because he's a God of the world. He's a God of the universe. And he wants us to have a part in that. I mean, if you'd have ever said, Donnie and I would have ever been in Russia, we'd have said, you're out of your eyes. In fact, when we got the invitation to go, I said, we're not going to Russia. I threw it in the garbage. That's what I said. That was my reaction. We don't have that kind of money. Where would we get that kind of money? We're not going. Guess what? We went. God said, you're going. You're going. There's a due order. And here's the thing, due order has to be established in his church for his presence to be seen here. See, I believe this. Yes, his glory is everywhere. His glory is in us. But I believe we are walking into a day where he wants to pour out his tangible presence among us. That he fills the house with his presence like he once did. I want that. And I don't want it just for me so I can feel goosebumps. I want it because I know people need it. This generation needs to see Jesus big. They need to see that there is a God. They've seen everything else, haven't they? They've been exposed to so much, good, bad, and otherwise. And so many people are looking for the answer. And we need them to be able to walk into a house where it's filled with the power and the presence of Almighty God to the point where they're falling. Nobody even has to lead them to the Lord. They're coming to Jesus because they know he's real and he's tangible. I was reading an article uh, about Iran, and it's astronomical what's happening there. People are having visions. Now, there are some preachers and pastors in America saying they're not seeing Jesus. Well, how do you know? Right? Right? Don't ever, you know what I mean? Like, who do we think we are that we've got the market on Jesus? I, uh, this is what I thought when I read the, the article about Iran. I thought we need to go there and learn a few things as American Christians. They're willing to lay down their very life. They know if they receive Jesus Christ that the possibility of them being tortured and murdered is, is very, very high. But you know what? They love him. And they're willing. And I say to myself, when I read that, I weep and I say, God, am I there? Would I be willing to lay down my life for you? I should be. He laid down his life for me if that's what it takes. And these Iranians, they're coming to Christ. In fact, they're saying that the mosques are empty. The mosques are emptying out because the Muslims are saying there is a one true God. And it's not Allah. And so, you know, I think to myself, how many people are called from this nation to go to Iran? Not to mess it up, though, because they don't have organized church. They can't. You know how they do church? They lead one-on-one. What a novel idea. Hmm, Isn't that something? They do what the Word says. Because that's their very life. Is Jesus our very life? Is he really? Or is, it, or is he just my life when everything's going my way in the way that I want it to and, and the blessings are flowing and, uh, you know, the paychecks are coming in and everything's good? Or is he my life when I'm in the valley and things don't look so good and everything around me is shaking? And, you know, I can only speak for myself I feel like I've been shaken for the last eight years. And so uh, through this shaking, I I have a peace. I just have a peace that's passing all understanding. 
And I'm, listen, I'm not bragging on me. I'm saying that's Jesus. I just have a peace, and it's okay. It's going to be okay, but I'm determined that I'm not going to let this time pass me by. And I'm not going to allow the opportunity and the privilege of being alive at this time to pass me by. I'm saying, wouldn't it be awful to live your whole life for Jesus and get to these, uh, these moments in history where things are rough and things are shaking. And so we get full of fear and we say, well, I'm done. I'm done with that. Well, then you, we probably never really had it to begin with. If we can walk away from him because things are not the way we wanted it, or not the way I thought it was going to be. I've said that a lot in the last eight years. Lord, I didn't think it was going to be like this. Oh, I didn't think that was going to be like that. Well, it is. Get over yourself, sweetie. Suck it up and move on. Come on, let's go. We gotta, we're in a battle. We are in a battle. A battle for souls. And God is saying, you know what? I've put the potential in you. It's in you. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I'm not alone. He's in us. He's with us. And, and, and he's saying, get back to my due order in your own personal life, what I'm telling you. And you say, well, what does that exactly mean? I don't know what it looks like for you. All I know is what it looks like for me and what he's saying to me. And see, again, you've got to seek him till you find him. Read his word. How many Christians don't even open the Bible anymore? If you don't know, his, you have to know his word because he is his word and his word is him and his word is his will. We have to know what this book says and we have to hide it in our heart. It takes work. It takes time. But I can tell you this, from a lifetime, it's worth it. It's worth it. And we've got to get our lives in due order. And then when we get our lives in due order, then the church is going to be in due order. And it's going to be the way the church is going to look the way that he wants it to look. Not just all pretty, not just all casual, but the way that God Almighty himself is saying, get back to my due order. We owe it to him. I owe him that. I owe him my very life. How about you? Our lives, it doesn't belong to me. And sometimes I think our American ideas get in the way. And listen, I love America. I can't imagine living in any other nation. Anytime I've been to another nation and come back, I wanted to get on my hands and knees and kiss the ground and say, thank you, Jesus, I live here. But the nation we know and love isn't going to remain the nation we know and love if the Christians don't do what they're supposed to do. We're to pray for those in authority over us. We're to vote. You know, when our kids turned 18 and they rolled enough to vote, their dad told them, listen, you go register to vote or you can sleep in your vehicle for a week. Because that's how other people have to live when they don't, can't vote. You have the privilege of voting. Guess what they did? They went and registered to vote because they didn't want to have to live in their car for a week. You say, boy, that's awful harsh. No, that's the reality. We are blessed. We are blessed beyond measure. And our blessings have become our curse. Because you know what? Most, most even Christians, have, they've gotten to the point where I don't really need God. I have a good job. I have a car. I have a house. What do I need God for? You know, about 95% of the media doesn't know God. Not that you couldn't tell. They don't know God. And you know why? Because they have good jobs. They have degrees. I'm not knocking good jobs. I'm not knocking degrees. But I'm saying, like Katie said this morning when she opened it up, if that stuff is taking precedence over a holy God, you're in trouble. Because when this is the thing, when, when it all shakes out at the very end, they're going to wish they had known God. He's not some crutch because we're weak. He, I'm going to say that again. He is not some crutch because you're weak. But he is our strength. He's our life. I'm going to go over to Hebrews 12. I was going to say we're going to close with this, but we'll see. <laughs> it says this. Uh, let's start with verse 22. It's kind of long, but that's okay. It says, but you are come unto Mount Sion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, 
and to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. See that you refuse not him that speaks. For if they escape not who refused him that spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him that speaks from heaven. So he's talking about, um, if you remember the story in Exodus, when Moses, God said, bring the people to the mountain. He wanted to talk to him. And do you remember the people were afraid? Because they didn't know him. When you don't know something, you'll be afraid of it. God doesn't want us to fear him in the sense that because, see, they believed the myth that if, they, if God spoke to them, they would die. And they believed that. And, see, we have to get back to a reverential fear of God. That he is awesome, and he is almighty, and he's powerful. And, and I've even been praying about that. Lord, what does that really look like? See, I can assume I know what it looks like to fear my heavenly father. And it's not like he's a mean dad and he's going to crack you on the head. I thought that for a lot of years. And that wasn't true. And he's not shaking us and trying to bring correction to us because he's mad. He's trying to bring it to us because he loves us. His love and his grace and mercy are keeping the hand of judgment from us. And he's shaking us so that we can open our eyes and say, uh, like Katie, or somebody said, he's not going to come in. I think Keely said it. He's not going to come in where he's not wanted. Because he's a gentleman, but he wants us to acknowledge him. And so my prayer has been in these last, I don't know even know how long, Lord, I want to know your reverential fear the way you want me to know it. Not, not because, oh no, he's mad at me. He's not mad at us. He loves us. But he's like a good mother who says, you know, it's Mother's Day. And some of you even today will have to correct your kids and say, now that's enough. You give them that motherly look, that's it. You have crossed the line. And they know it. When you start using their first name, their middle name, and their last name, they're like, oh, yeah, I better pay attention. There was a tone. My mom, I have a good mom, thank God, a good godly woman um, who raised me. And I mean, I have a dad too, but I'll t it's Mother's Day. So, um, you know, it's just a good godly woman. And she, right is right, wrong is wrong. And that's how we were raised. And I so appreciate that. But when there was a tone she used and there were certain words she used. And when she used those words, we knew we had pushed her to the limit and that was it. And we were perking up her ears and paying attention. We knew that was it. And see, I believe that's the day we're in. God is saying, that's it. That's it. Kids, you're either going to do it my way or you're not going to do it. Say, what does that exactly mean? I don't know, but he's been speaking that to me since, since January. I felt that in my spirit, that he was shaking things out. I didn't know what it looked like, what it was going to look like. And, and that's it. This is it. You're not crossing the line anymore. You're going to come into line with me or you won't be doing it anymore. And I don't think he's done shaking us. I think we're going to see some things shaken out in, in government and big church. And I, and I don't know exactly what that looks like, but all I know is that's what God has said. So I'm going to take his word and I'm going to take his side of things. Let's go on and finish reading this. It says, see that you refuse him not that speaks. For if they escape not who refused him that spoke on earth, how are we going to escape? Because see, again, we're under a better covenant than they were. He lives within us. Verse 26 says this, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he's promised saying, yet once more, I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And verse 27, and this word yet once more signifies the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made that those things what, which cannot be shaken may remain. What's he doing? He's shaking things to the point that everything that can be shaken will be shaken, and it has been. He's shaken the sports world. He's shaken church. He's shaken government. He's shaken stores, are, are buying and selling, the stock market. Everything that people put their hopes and dreams in, he's shaken it. Why? Everything that can be shaken will be shaken so that what can't be shaken will remain. You know what can't be shaken? My faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. My faith in a holy God. 
My faith that he's going to show up when I need him. My faith that he is a God of supernatural provision. My faith that God is more than enough. He is El Shaddai no matter what situation I'm in or out of, whether it's good times or bad times, that he is God Almighty and he is still on the throne. And he's saying, and I want my world to know that I am on the throne. Not anybody else. God Almighty is on the throne and Jesus Christ is at his right hand and the Holy Spirit is here on earth ministering to you and I. And he falls in every ditch that I'm in and that you're in to help us and enable us. Read the book of John. He says, wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace. Whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Verse 29 says this, for our God is a consuming fire. He's a consuming fire. And he's trying to purge the dross out of us so that we can come forth and our faith will be like pure gold because that's what we need. I don't need anything else. I need pure gold faith to get me through this life. Faith in a God that cannot be shaken. When everything else is rocking and reeling and we may see some things yet to come, and I don't say that to scare us, but I'm saying, get your, get your house in due order. Get this house in due order. Get your house at home with your, your husband and wife and kids in due order. If anybody ought to know how to live, it ought to be the Christian. And if we're living any other old way, it's selfishness. And God is saying, enough. Enough. It's done. It's not about you, it's about me in a lost and dying world because he's getting ready for a great harvest. And I want to be a part of that, and I believe you do too. Amen? Let's stand to our feet and we're going to pray. Let's do this. I'm just going to ask you to, and if you're watching on Facebook Live, put your hand on your heart. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for us your church, Lord God. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would just seal these words, do order to our hearts. And that, Heavenly Father, we would do your due order, that it would be right in your sight. That those things that are messed up in our lives and turned upside down, that God, you would restore them to order as we give it to you. And Father, we ask you to forgive us Forgive us, Lord, for not responding to your still small voice. Forgive us for the times we've missed you. Forgive us for wanting it to do it our way and not your way. God, we repent. And we thank you for a change of mind and a change of heart. And I pray, Heavenly Father, we would do it your way. And you would show us what reverential fear looks like. God, we thank you. We give you honor and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, thank you, Brenda. Before we close, I just want to share one more word with us. Um, man, she took us to church this morning. <laughs> Ooh, man, that was such a good word. And I just want to encourage you to stay with us for a minute. Don't log off just yet. While we were closing, I was praying, and I just saw, I saw us in our living rooms, and I saw the fireplace and the mantle, and I saw that there were things on our mantles that didn't belong. And when I say mantle, I mean like an altar, like the altar of our heart, the altar of our life. And I really believe when she said that scripture in Hebrews 12, 29, that God is an all-consuming fire. I want you to know he's come to consume the idols of our life. And I felt really strongly this verse leap in my spirit and it's a strong verse but it's been a strong morning and we're not weak ones are we, we we're not ones that shrink back and are destroyed amen acts 19 19 and a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. And I felt really strongly that maybe there's some of you watching that have practiced magic, that have used tarot cards, that have used crystals, that have used Ouija boards, that have um, dabbled in dark arts, 
using candles or curses or um, Wiccan or New Age. And I want you to know this morning that that's not okay. And it's time to burn those things. Because we can have idols in our heart that are our mom, our dad, our, our husband, our kids, our job. We can have those kinds of idols. But there really are original biblical idols that were false gods, that were false religions, that were witchcraft. And we have allowed witchcraft in our community. And it's not allowed. And the Lord is speaking very strongly against it that no idol can remain on the mantle, on the altar of our heart and our life. So I just urge you all this morning, if you have anything of these such materials, to burn them, to get rid of them, to be done with them today. Because the Lord wants to consume us entirely. He wants your whole heart. So I'm just going to pray over us um, just to close us out and to seal this up, okay? So if that's you, if you have a material, maybe you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that tarot cards were witchcraft. Um, I didn't know my crystals were witchcraft. If you have questions, you can write us on the Facebook page in the comments. You can direct message um, Angel, Mark, any, any of us, um, and we will talk to you about it if you have questions. But if that's you, the Lord calls us to repent for putting another thing before him anything, whether it's magic, whether it's a husband, whether it's your job. So I'm just going to lead us again in that prayer, if that's you, if you've dealt with magic. So Father, I just, I, I lift up these people before us. God, I thank you that you see them, that you've called to rescue them that you have called them um, out of darkness into light. God, I thank you that you are not opposed to power. You're not opposed to supernatural. You're just opposed to dark supernatural. You're opposed to evil supernatural. Lord, I thank you that you are powerful and you do wondrous works. You heal the sick. You raise the dead. You cast out demons. God, you are the original exorcist. God, you do these things in miraculous, powerful ways. And so, Father, I pray that those that have a fascination with magic, Lord, that you would transform that fascination from darkness to light. Lord, that in your kingdom, there is good power. There is holy power. And so, Father, I pray repentance for them right now. And if that's you, follow me in this prayer. Lord, I repent. I repent for engaging in witchcraft. I repent for engaging with tarot cards, psychics, and mediums. God, I repent for believing in dark power and for associating with it. Father, I repent and I take up good power and clean light. God, I take these things instead of the darkness and I sever the bond. I sever the connection I've made with evil. Lord, and so we thank you that you are cleansing, that you are cleaning, that you are blessing, that you are restoring. Father, we would you restore our community? Would you cast out all witchcraft, all evil, all magic, all new age? God, would you cleanse the community of those things and bring beauty and light out of darkness? God, goodness in place of manipulation. God, goodness, goodness. Lord, we thank you that you are who you say you are, that you overcome, that you're an all-consuming fire. You will not rest until you have us all. Jesus, we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys for joining us. Have a blessed day, and we bless you mamas that you would um, be loved in Jesus' name. Amen.